two-year absence, the Boston Celtics are NBA champions once again. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Seven seconds. They got Benetarian range. I'll tell you, what Tom Brady just did gives me goosebumps. What again for Tierney. Tierney's cross. Lucic, top of the circle, Horton, the drive, score! The Bruins knock out the Bruins! Welcome to the Boston Sports Extra Podcast. Um, we have uh, Evan Lazar from CLNS Media, who covers the Patriots as a beat writer. Follow Evan on Twitter at EZ Lazar. Um, Evan, I want to start right off the bat uh, asking you about your article on Tuesday that you wrote about Jason McCourty and Stefan Gilmore. Um, you uh, said in the first five games of the season, opposing quarterbacks completed only 48% of their passes when targeting either McCourty or Gilmore. Um, Mahomes' completion percentage was 57.89 in the win over Jacksonville. So do you think Mahomes will complete over 50% when targeting Gilmore and McCourty or less than 50% on Sunday? It's a good question. Well, I think that for the Patriots, they hope it's under, obviously. And I, I think specifically uh, with Stephon Gilmore, he's probably going to be matched up against his old friend Sammy Watkins. And the two of them have gone toe-to-toe in practice a lot in Buffalo and during uh, their both of their Buffalo days. And now obviously both moved on from being Bills. But I think that uh, you know for this game, if you're the Chiefs, uh, I would assume that the targeting – the guys you're going to be targeting the most are going to be the linebackers and the safeties of the Patriots. So I, I think that one of those likely Jason McCourty with some help over the top is going to be tasked with uh, tracking Tyree Hill. So obviously one big catch could kind of sway things, but in terms of completion percentage, I would say probably under because I really think that the uh, Chiefs game plan as it should is going to focus uh, primarily on getting the ball to Travis, Travis Kelsey, uh, Kareem Hunt, and some of the other guys in the middle of the field. Right. Um, Andy, did you have any comment on that? No, I think that sounds pretty good. Um, I would probably say that Evan has it correct with the fact that their game plan is going to be a little bit shorter. Uh, the linebackers and the uh, safeties are going to have a hard time. Have you heard the uh, thing with them going, uh, the Patriots have been in more of a three what is that? Three, three, six formation. Uh, do you think that defense is going to be their primary defense this week? Or do you think they're going to try to mix it up a little bit in order to combat that? Yeah. So they, they basically, they call it a three, four. Uh, I've talked to some of the Patriots players about this and I was like, but it's a three, three, six. Right. And they're like, no, that doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> we, we call it a three, four and Patrick Chung is, is basically on the field as another linebacker. Uh, so that's kind of where you get your fourth guy. But the thing that I think that's interesting about the, the uh, front that they're going with right now is it's a three, four under. So that means that Kyle Van Noy is basically where you would put a four, three end. 
if it was a four uh, down lineman and, and he's like over the tackle, but in a stand up, uh, you know, stance and not in a two point stance, not a three point stance. So I think that that's kind of a little wrinkle that I haven't seen from the Patriots over the past couple of years. I thought that was interesting was him playing basically as a fourth end, but playing it in a two point stance. It's a, it's an interesting little wrinkle that they've added to it. So I, they, they've really rode that uh, front, as you mentioned for most of the season, uh, that's really been the primary front that they've used so i would assume that they probably go with that again i think the game plan this week is going to be really centered on keeping patrick mahomes in the pocket uh and not letting him beat them with their his legs outside the pocket with throws and also with scrambles outside the pocket so i would imagine that this game plan is going to be very similar on the defensive front uh to what they ran against deshaun watson in week one and i think that they probably treat mahomes very similarly uh even though he's not quite as dynamic of a runner uh with the football as watson is he's probably a better thrower on the move than watson is so it's going to be a really big emphasis i would assume this week of containing deshaun or uh, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. Right. So that actually that goes into uh, my next question. Like Patrick Mahomes does really well with avoiding the pass rush and getting um, the ball to find his open receiver. So what does the Patriots defensive line need to do to get um, to get to Mahomes more quickly? Well, I, what I always say when you face a mobile quarterback is you can't chase him. Right, and the Patriots ran into this problem with Deshaun Watson last year, and uh, with Cam Newton in the past, where instead of just trying to contain him and keep him in a phone booth and keep him in front of you, they've chased him around like a wild chicken. <laughs> and when you do that, it, the guy that's faster is always going to win that battle, right? So that's when you get yourself into a lot of trouble with a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Is when you start chasing him around the field, he's faster than these three hundred pound defensive linemen are. You're going to lose that foot race. And I think that we've seen that in the past with other mobile quarterbacks that have carved up the Patriots it's really because they don't do a good job of containing him in the pocket and they try to chase him around in the backfield instead so I think that what you have to do is you know this isn't spin move week uh, this isn't you know uh, one of those big upfield rush weeks this is keeping level with the quarterback week and collapsing that pocket on him instead of uh you know trying to get around the edge or get around your blocker if you're an interior lineman and really pushing the pocket inwards and kind of making a Patrick Mahomes kind of suffocating him and not giving him any real uh, outlets to kind of sneak out or use his elusiveness or anything like that and really try to keep him in there by compressing him in the pocket and do you have anything to add on that yeah, so this might be the week that uh, Claiborne stays on the bench, or is he going to get his um, option to try to rush the passer? Because I noticed last week, might have been last week, that they started putting him more out wider. Did you notice that too? So Yeah, so that was one thing. It's a good point. That was one thing that I thought was interesting about the scheme fit and kind of his change from Atlanta to here. In Atlanta, they run a lot of wide nine where the defensive end is really far out in the nine technique, which is as far out as you could possibly go. And his bull rush and his speed to power, Claiborne's we're talking about, is great in that type of uh, scenario on that wide nine because he can really get a running start at the tackle and, and use that power bull rush move to bull guys over. With the Patriots, like you mentioned, they like to more 
be like a four or a five technique team with their defensive ends where they're lining up directly over the tackle, maybe a little bit of a shade to the outside, but not so much. I think that they've realized that in order for Claiborne to be effective, they have to not, they're not going to go wide nine. That's just not their style, but they have to make him, let him rush from a little bit further outside. So I, I have noticed that they've done that. Uh, in terms of him containing in the pocket, we saw, you know, kind of semblances of this with Cam Newton in the preseason where he had a couple times where he didn't do it well. And then obviously in that Jaguars game, it was just kind of a disaster for him and he got benched basically because of it. And, uh, you know, that's a point of emphasis that he's going to have to focus on if he's going to stick in New England past this year is going to be containing and staying level with the quarterback. I It was a few weeks ago, somebody asked Belichick about, you know, is there any point to being behind the quarterback? And Belichick really gave the reporter, uh, you know, a, an earful about it. I felt bad for the guy. I don't want to mention who it was. And, uh, and uh, you know, he, he really gave the reporter an earful about it because he was like, well, what good are you from behind the quarterback? And as he's going on as one of those Belichick rants, I'm thinking to myself, he is talking directly to Adrian Claiborne. Like, there's nobody else on this team that does anything and what he's he's like what good are you from behind there there's nothing you can do there's nothing you're going to affect the play from, you know from behind there so i think for this week with adrian claiborne uh, the biggest thing is is that if you are going to try to bend around the edge and use that speed rush move use it in a contained way where it's forcing mahomes to step up in the pocket instead of through the pocket so you got to make him use that edge force to make him step up into the other guys that are rushing in the middle and uh, on the other edge instead of having him, you know, have that open gate like we saw in Jacksonville. Yeah, at least they, uh, at least they'll, uh, at least they'll uh, have that open lane so that at least that maybe they can plan for that outlet um, by crashing down a linebacker or having somebody watch that one and as being his most likely exit point. That was my thinking when I saw him last week opening it up a little bit. Yeah, I think that a quarterback spy or one a guy like Kyle Van Noy has done this in the past where he's not necessarily a spy, but he's his job is to make sure that the quarterback doesn't get out of the pocket. So it's basically a spy, but it's not – I don't know if they would necessarily call it a, you know an actual dedicated spy, but you see him kind of loop back around sometimes and kind of just uh, be a, in all the gaps and kind of make sure that you know the quarterback doesn't get out like a spy. So I would expect to see some of that this week with Mahomes because he is just – electric when he gets outside the pocket i mean he's like aaron Rodgers or brett Favre-esque in that type of you know those types of throws where he can really just make you carve you up uh you know down the field especially on those uh outside the pocket throws and he looks like a shortstop you know like throwing across his body or you know throwing without his feet set and it's just it's remarkable to watch all right, so overall, this game, how big is this game for, like, the number one seed? I would I would think it would be pretty important since these are the top two teams in the AFC. So what do you think? Well, Belichick would tell you that they're playing Kansas City. Right, uh, right. You know, I, I don't know, you know, if they look at it like that, they certainly don't. But yeah. I do think, you know, we're allowed to look at it like that. And, uh, and, you know, I think this Kansas City team is not slowing down this year anytime soon, mainly because the upgrade at quarterback from Alex Smith to Mahomes. Now, obviously they're going to have their struggles and their defense is definitely vulnerable and beatable, but unfortunately you just get into so many game scripts against them where you're down by 20 points, you know, in the first quarter. So it's hard to, you know, constantly climb yourself out of those types of holes. They're not going to go 16 to no or anything like that, obviously. Uh, but if you add another loss to this Patriots uh, schedule, 
you know, right off the bat and they're three and three. Not that I still think the Patriots go, you know, at the worst 11 and five in that type of scenario, but you look down the road and you have games against in Pittsburgh, you have the Minnesota Vikings coming to town you have the Green Bay Packers coming to town. I mean, as we know, the schedule is, uh, is, is, not easy it's a first place schedule so there's definitely some other teams that they're going to have to play that are going to be tough for them to match up against and uh you know obviously then you're also banking on them winning all the games as they should against the afc east but you always know with that too there's always the occasional hiccup in miami or a hiccup against the jets that happens usually they get buffalo pretty good but those two teams are you know usually you know something can kind of come up with that Uh, luckily this year, although it, they lost to Miami in December of last year, I suppose, but they play Miami in Miami later in the season, so it won't be quite as hot as it would be if they had played Miami, like let's say in September. But uh, overall, I mean, you're asking a lot of the Patriots to get to that number one seed if they lose this game because, like I mentioned, you're expecting at least one slip-up. I would say only one, but one slip-up against the AFC East. They go five out of six in the AFC East. And then, you know, what's the likelihood that they're going to beat Pittsburgh, Minnesota, and Green Bay? You know, there's got to be another loss in that three unless they really, uh, you know, go on one of those insane winning streaks, which we've seen them do before, too. So, you know, anything's possible, I suppose. Right. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I actually, I've been thinking about it. I don't really even, I'm not completely caring about whether they win or lose this game. As long as they get the information that they need, as long as they come out of it healthy, of course, with all the stars. And as long as um, you start playing your best football in uh, November and December. Right now, they're still trying to incorporate pieces that they're learning what they do best and what they can do. So, uh, unfortunately, it would be nice to be Kansas city if that's in the cards and be able to claim that number one seed. But at the end of the day, you've all got to play in January and that's what Patriots football is about for me. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's definitely not a must win by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, we're not in like that type of territory. I thought it was crazy even when people were saying, you know, the Miami game was a must win. I was like, this isn't a must win. That Miami team can implode at any time. <laughs> and they, we've kind of seen them, you know, implode over the last couple of weeks. So uh, it's definitely not a must win. I agree with you there. Uh, but I, I do think that if it comes down to it at the end of the season, it could be a situation where, you know, they're tied. They have the two best records in the conference. And Kansas City gets it because of head-to-head. But also, let's remember, I mean, the Patriots have had some luck in the past with other teams knocking out, you know, number one seeds like the Broncos. What was that in 2014 where the uh, they got upset, you know, and then it ends up being a home game when you thought it was going to be a road game. And, you know, so there, there's ways that it doesn't necessarily matter. I've always said – um, for the Patriots, and not that they couldn't make the play, uh, excuse me, make the Super Bowl, you know, without a buy. But I've always said that the buy is really the most important thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you would love to have home field advantage throughout the AFC, but the, being a top two seed is really that bye week is just always massive. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. So um, Sony Michelle seems to be getting in the Patriots playbook and had uh, great games against Miami and the Colts. He was limited at practice today. Was spotted on a stationary break a stationary bike, excuse me, before practice. If he and when he plays on Sunday, how do you think he will do? 
Yeah, we, there was a little bit of a panic when we we couldn't find Sony, and uh, we were all looking around and we're like, "All right, he's not with the normal, you know, in the normal stretching line." Like, there's James White, there's uh, Kenyon Barner, uh, but we <laughs> we don't see Sony. And then somebody I forget who it was, but uh, credit to that person, uh, found him on the stationary bike in the corner of the practice field. You know, I think that what's interesting is is that Sony has kept on telling us every time we ask him how are you feeling, he always says that he's 100 percent, that he's feeling great. Great. The knee is feeling great. And then this week it started popping up again on the injury report. So that's never great news. Uh, but I do think that this team uh, Kansas City can be run on and, uh, and can really be uh, exposed with throwing the ball to the running back specifically, which isn't something that Sony's necessarily excelled at yet. But I think that that's coming uh, and that kind of skill is coming from him eventually as well. So uh, what I assume he's going to play. I don't think that this is like a issue where they ha- would have to keep him out of the game. Um, and, but in terms of his production in this game, you know, if he gets blocking the way that he's been getting blocking, hey, he's going to run for 90 yards a game. You know, that it's obviously not going to happen like that every single week. They're not going to be able to open up the holes like they have uh, over the last two weeks every single week. But I would assume that if he's out there that you'll see, you know, what we've seen, at least in terms of what he's doing uh, that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. We'll see if they can have the same push up front. There you go. Andy, do you have anything to add? Yeah, no, just uh, I extensively looked at the Denver game, and the big thing that I noticed that Denver was able to get some nice runs straight through the middle, um, through the tackles, and then also on the edge of the tackles because the um, defensive ends were giving such wide lanes. So I, I see think that if anyone's going to be able to run on them, it's going to be Michelle up the middle or on the just outside of the tackles, in between the tackles and the end. So hopefully he'll be good to go. Um, if not, James White can always you can always throw to him twenty times a game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if James White has 15 targets in this game. And one guy, you know, just up the middle of that defense is obviously Chris Jones, who's their best, you know, uh, defensive tackle and one of their best players on the defensive side of the ball, maybe the best. If you double team him. Uh, in the run game, it, there's really not a ton of other playmakers, especially at that linebacker position, uh, to really chase down guys and make plays. Their defense, ironically, or uh, you know whatever you want to call it, is uh, has the similar weaknesses in a lot of areas to what the Patriots defense has. You know they have some good corners. Um, they have some guys that you know are, are difference makers in the front seven, but it's more individual guys like Chris Jones and a D Ford. Um, but they don't have you know kind of that full uh, complement of players on the defensive side of the ball to make them you know an elite defense or even a top you know upper echelon defense. So. These two teams are built very similarly, right? They're built through their offense. They're built to score points. They're built to play from ahead. And they're really not built to lean on the defense being a big factor. Their defenses are more of turnover machines and uh, and red zone and third down machines. That's kind of where these two defenses want to win, not necessarily like a Jaguars defense or a Minnesota defense where they're imposing their will on teams. So I'm going to ask about uh, Josh Gordon. He seems like he's getting the uh, Patriots offense. And how does he look at practice and how much of a factor could he have in the game on Sunday? Well, you know, in terms of what he looks at at practice, we don't, they don't let, let us see much <laughs> in terms of like him, of him catching balls you know, from Tom Brady and stuff like that. You know, I did notice that they did let us watch positional drills the other day and he does look healthy. 
Uh, so the, I think the hamstring is still limiting him a little bit, but he's moving a lot better from what he was when he first got there, when they really were keeping him under wraps. I mean, they were like hiding the guy uh, when he first got here. But now they've let us watch him a little bit more in positional drills, and he looks pretty good. Um, you know, I think that the biggest thing for me with Josh Gordon has been, you know, this week is let's see him run some uh, a bigger variety of routes. Let's see his route tree kind of expand a little bit over these first two weeks. Obviously, he's only played 18 snaps per game, and that's not a ton. But even in those 18 snaps, he's running just a ton of slant routes. It's slant routes, it's digs, it's comebacks, and it's maybe one or two go routes. I think I've seen him run. I don't count when I chart things. I don't count uh, clear out routes, which are basically just routes designed to take coverage as a true go. You know, a go route is when you have, uh, you know, the offense's goal is to maybe get you to the ball deep clear out route you're really just kind of clearing the space underneath you to throw the ball to a running back in the flat or something like that so those are different types of routes to me so he hasn't really run any true go routes where like they're going to try to take a shot to him downfield and then obviously the touchdown that they threw to him was a broken play so that you know really wasn't even a deep route either so if that hamstring is 100 percent, i kind of expect that at some point you know, we have to see this offense unleashed, right? We have to see the Edelman, Josh Gordons now are back from suspension, you know, obviously in the trade for Josh Gordon and hopefully his hamstring is getting better, closer to 100%. You know, at some point, you you don't want to hide your cards too much, right? Because you got to make sure that b- before January, this is all clicking and everybody kind of knows, you know, what their role is and where their responsibilities are. So at some point in time, you kind of have to let it go. And, uh, and I think that we're we're pr- approaching the time that they're going to let it go with Josh Gordon. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's this week. Now, I don't know if that necessarily means that he's going to play hundred percent of the snaps or anything like that, but I'm just talking about more diversity in his route tree and have more of an emphasis to try to get him involved. Andy, anything to add? No, but I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. That'll be an interesting take. I do like uh, the way he's been moving along and I'm hoping to see more from him. So, yeah, I think we I think we all are. <laughs> I think that uh, you know, one thing that from you know my perspective is just that we we talk about Josh Gordon every single week because everybody wants to hear about him, you know, and, and it's just not much to talk about with him right now uh, because he's done so little. And uh, you know, obviously the touchdown catch was great. It was a great moment. Uh, the stadium every single time he touches the ball, the place just erupts. You know, everybody. I think that one thing, and Josh has said this himself in the in some of the press conferences that we've had with him, is just that everybody from the fans to Robert Kraft to Belichick to Tom Brady to all of his teammates, they're all pulling for him. You know, we're mm-hmm. all pulling for this guy to be good. We all want him to succeed here. We all want him to stay on the straight and narrow and not you know relapse into some of the issues that he's had off the field. So I think that he's feeling that support. And, you know, he mentioned it every single time he catches a pass, the the, the Gillette Stadium crowd, it, it, it's an eruption. You know, it's a huge ovation, huge ovation. Even when he catches a five-yard slant, everybody's going crazy for him, and he really appreciates that. So I think that he's really appreciating being in a place that's so supportive, and I don't think that he necessarily had this type of structure and this type of support system when he was in Cleveland. So, um, as you were talking about the offense, how do you think overall the Patriots offense will do against the Chiefs defense, who's really not that, it's really not that good? Yeah, I think that they they should move the ball, um, and 
they should move the ball at will. I mean, they should be able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. I think that the biggest thing in this game, and I, I know this is going to haunt some Patriots fans' memories, but it's going to remind a lot of people, I think, of the Super Bowl, uh, where it's just – there's a lot of offense. It's a high-flying game. Uh, there's over. I would not be surprised if there's over a thousand yards of offense combined between these two teams. I mean, you could be talking about a game where there's like 80 combined points, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. Now, obviously, that's what it's being hyped up as, and they'll they'll score no points, you know, because that's just how how this thing works. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that it, it, there, that should be the way that it goes. I think that the main thing is going to be late in this game in the fourth quarter, uh, like we saw in the Super Bowl, one of these defenses is going to make a play. You know, one of these defenses is going to make a play. One of these defenses is going to force a turnover or get that key third down stop that gets their, them up two scores, uh, you know, by turning it back over to the offense. And the guy that, you know, I, I keep on talking about him, you know, and all the things that I've been doing this week, but D Ford is the guy that they are really going to have to worry about because Justin Houston's not going to be in this game. D Ford is a screamer off the edge. He reminds me a lot of Dante Fowler in Jacksonville, who's given the Patriots a ton of problems. Obviously had that strip sack in the game a couple weeks ago. And in the AFC championship game, he, he was a problem too. Those speed guys off the edge, uh, they have bigger tackles. Uh, Trent Brown and Marcus Cannon are bigger guys that uh, don't move necessarily as well out of their pass set and, D Ford's the type of guy that can make you pay for that. And uh, he's second in the league right now in total pressures. He has 30 pressures in the first five games of the season. Uh, Jeremy Parnell, who's a solid right tackle for the Jaguars, just got demolished by D Ford last week. I mean, basically wrecked the game plan for the Jaguars offense. Um, so he's the guy that in the fourth quarter, when, you know, the game gets tight and it gets close and, uh, you know, it's winning time. Uh, they're going to have to block him because that's going to be the guy that if anybody on that defense can make a kind of a momentum swinging play, I would assume it's going to be D Ford and I would assume it'd be an incoming sort of a strip sack or something like that. So uh, I, I would assume that he's going to get a lot of attention, especially with Justin Houston out. Andy, yeah, anything to add? Yeah. Uh, in all fairness, uh, Bortles did his own, work on trying to screw up that game plan too so um who do you think that guy's going to be for the patriots late in the fourth quarter that's going to be the x guy that's going to make the play well so the guy that i've been wanting to write about for a couple weeks now because i think a lot of the narrative is that the patriots don't have an elite pass rusher and trey flowers is an elite pass rusher i mean he is a very very good player i would say that him uh maybe on a guard rushing on a guard or a center uh mitch morse or uh old friend jordan devy who's going to get the start at uh i believe at right guard it is yeah because uh, their starter who i'm not going to try to pronounce his name he's the one with the long name with the hyphen that was a doctor uh he, he uh that he is out uh, he's on IR, and I, I think that Jordan Devy is going to start in his place. So I would look for Trey Flowers to potentially be that guy. And also, you know, this defense, this secondary has created – the Patriots have created 11 turnovers on defense. You know, they, they are turning the ball over, uh, you know, on the opposing team. So don't be surprised if there's an interception of Patrick Mahomes as well. Uh, he's a young quarterback. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. He's obviously well beyond uh, what a lot of young quarterbacks are. He's a terrific player. 
um, but the Jaguars were able to bait him into some mistakes um, with some delayed, uh, you know, throws where he was late on a couple reads and one that he just airmailed. So uh, I think that there's some opportunity there to maybe create a turnover for the Patriots defense as well. These are two defenses, like I said, that are uh, not, you know, going to stop a whole lot of people consistently, but they can create turnovers and they have very good schemes on third down and in the red zone. So uh, Julian Edelman looks like he hasn't missed a step having a great game against the Colts. And so how do you think he'll do Sunday night? I think he has an interesting matchup because uh, I'm actually writing about this for game day. Uh, Kendall Fuller, who is the corner that kind of got lost in the trade wins of the Alex Smith deal because, uh, you know, that all the Alex Smith hype uh, going to Washington and then obviously the Patrick Mahomes hype in Kansas City. So no one was really talking about the compensation. And the compensation was Kendall Fuller, who is a very good slot corner uh, coming over from Washington. And he's played very well in, in their system as well. And he plays in this inside primarily. Last year, he led the league in slot coverage snaps. This year, he's leading the league again in slot coverage snaps. So Julian Edelman is going to be matched up one-on-one with Kendall Fuller. He knows it. I asked him about it today. Uh, He said that, you know, Fuller is a very good player, very good in and out of his breaks, uh, physical, instinctive, all those types of good adjectives, uh, you know, to describe a corner. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I think the question is going to be, uh, do the Kansas City Chiefs trust their other pieces around him uh, to cover guys one-on-one. If Josh Gordon is out there, obviously Gronk is going to be out there. They don't really have, without Eric Berry, they don't really have a guy that can match Gronk one-on-one. James White against their linebackers would be a problem. So I think that they might play some zone. And if they play zone, uh, they have in the past, they've dropped, you know, seven or eight guys into zone coverages and they've tried to just crowd the middle of the field and really flood some zone concepts with the Patriots and kind of take the Patriots offense away that way. So if that's what their strategy is, then I think Julian Edelman will have a massive game because he is so great at finding those soft spots and just sitting down in the zone and waiting for Tom Brady to deliver passes over the middle. And they have such an innate chemistry that they're just able to kind of know where each other are on those types of play. So, so uh, I would say that Julian Edelman has a big game if they go zone route, doesn't have necessarily as big of a game if Kendall Fuller is just matched up with him on one-on-one because I think that it will probably go elsewhere. Andy, anything to add? Yeah, Josh Gordon's also pretty underrated against zone because um, I watched a lot of his 2013 tape, and he always seemed on those deep slants, he always seemed to find that nice soft spot in the zone and just drop in there and get those passes. And with his speed, he can eat up those yards in no time. Yeah, he. It's a good point. He's a good player in, in all types of coverages. Obviously, when he's when his head is on right, and uh, and I think that one thing with Tom Brady is that he is so good at manipulating zone coverages with his eyes. And we saw this a lot against Indianapolis, where he'll just move the defense one direction. And when you play zone, everyone's staring at the quarterback. So when the quarterback looks to the right, the whole defense shifts over to the right. And Tom Brady's so good with his reads that he knows that there's going to be you know a backside angle route or backside dig and he can move the defense to his right and then he's going to instantly come back and hit that angle route like on the touchdown what we saw to James White he did that exact thing where he kind of focused in on Edelman three defenders ran to Edelman in zone coverage and then he came back to James White so I think that it's been difficult in the past for teams to really um, beat the Patriots playing zone because Tom Brady is so good at manipulating zone and beating zone coverages with just his cadences in the pocket. All right, so uh, Chris Hogan did not participate today. So do you think he'll play on Sunday? 
Well, I, I think that he's going to play, um, although I think that he'll be limited. And he's kind of on my radar as a player to kind of ask Brady about maybe specifically and just in terms of, you know, wh- why isn't he playing more or getting more targets? I should say he's playing a ton. He's just not getting a lot of targets in this offense right now. And obviously, as we've been talking about some of these other guys, he's just kind of down on the depth chart right now in terms of their options. I mean, that top four, and although Josh Gordon hasn't played a ton, uh, just in terms of talent, uh, James White, Gronk, Edelman, and Josh Gordon are just going to be ahead of Chris Hogan. They're just better players than Chris Hogan is. And I, I think that it's surprising to a lot of people and a lot of Patriots fans that Chris Hogan hasn't you know, broken out into having a huge role this year, especially with Edelman suspended. I do think that it will help him a little bit, kind of uh, putting him in a role that better suits his skill set. When Edelman was out, they tried him in the slot a lot, tried to get him to do a lot of those types of quick-hitting routes over the middle of the field. That's just not really his game. It never really has been. He's not a shifty guy. He's more of a straight-line speed guy. So uh, if he plays in the game, I do think that there's an opportunity for him because he's going to be on a lot of the depth player and the players in this game. Andy Reid's obviously going to put a lot of his big guns on Gronk and on Julian Edelman. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays. Uh, the do not participate thing was even worse because it was a walkthrough. So not participating in a walkthrough never is a good thing in terms of their availability. We'll see what he is listed at tomorrow. Uh, I obviously wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play, um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm still leaning towards him playing because I know Chris is going to work his ass off to play in the game, and I think that he realizes, um, you know, that he is his best trait is dependability. You know, he's not this elite athlete like a Josh Gordon. He's not, um, you know, this super receiver that can kind of just show up on Sundays and and get snaps. Uh, he's just been reliable and dependable throughout his entire Patriots career, and I think he realizes that that's kind of his niche here in New England. Can't do anything yeah, uh, who has a better game as one of those names buried on the depth chart? Is it going to be Hogan or could it be Dorsett, who matches up better against this defense? Well, I think that if they play zone, then Hogan's always been a nice zone. able to get open against zone and find some soft spots in the zone. But I do think it's interesting because, you know, Dorsett's probably a more talented player just off of raw physical ability. Obviously, he has the speed. And uh, he's actually really improved his route running uh, this year. Been pretty impressed with some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, he had a really nice route at the end of the second half, or uh, excuse me, uh, you know, in the end of the second quarter uh, against Indianapolis, where he, he ran one of those blaze outs and he really shook the corner and it put the Patriots in field goal range. Uh, he's a much better route runner uh, than he has been in the past. So I, I don't know. I think that if Kogan plays and they play the types of coverages that I expect them to play, then he's probably going to play more, I would say, than Philip Dorsett. So I probably go Hogan. Um, but I think that Dorsett has really come along. I mean, I'm obviously not saying that he's going to develop into like a Brandon Cooks or anything like that, but uh, he's, he's really come along in his route running and he's really paid attention to the details. Andy, do you have anything else? Yeah. Yeah, um, if you've got time, Evan, I've just got a couple of uh, little off-the-wall questions for you. Let's do it. All right. Um, You, I I love your uh, tape reviews and your film reviews and breakdowns on uh, your articles on where. what website is it that we can find you now? CLNSmedia.com. Okay. And also on your your Twitter account, your video threads are great. Thank you. Um, So as far as being, if you were the defensive coordinator, Let's put that hat on, and then let's say, what is your pl- plan to stop 
Kansas City's inside handoff. Well, I'll, I'll give you a little, uh, you know, foreshadowing into what I'm writing about with my Patriots game plan this week. And uh, that is uh, what's called pattern match coverage, which Bill Belichick and uh, actually Nick Saban invented in the 1990s. Uh, I asked Belichick if he invented it. He didn't want to admit to that because I think he's, you know, too, uh, he doesn't want to like, you know, step on anybody and that maybe had it before him in the NFL, but he definitely made it popular in the NFL and it's a, basically what the coverage is is it morphs depending on what the call is for the offense so if the receiver runs vertically down the field against his man then it becomes a man coverage uh principle in a cover one look if the defense if the offense runs uh, something horizontal where a receiver breaks inside on a crosser or a little curl over the middle or something like that then it becomes a straight cover three so basically what happens is, is that it allows the defense to kind of react to these spread offenses. And back in the 90s when Belichick was, uh, you know, uh, coming in Cleveland with Nick Saban as the defensive coordinator, the Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely tore them apart with a very simple concept for verticals. And the Browns would run these cover three zones. And that's what Belichick ran in New York with the Giants with the Bill Parcells. And they had a guy named Lawrence Taylor who could just absolutely wreck games and obviously rush the passer. In Cleveland, when he went there, they didn't quite have that type of pass rush because no one has a Lawrence Taylor. So they, the Steelers were able to really carve them up with four verticals. And uh, when they went back to the drawing board, they lost a Week 17 game. I believe it was in 1993 to the Pittsburgh Steelers that knocked them out of the playoffs. And when they went back to the drawing board, uh, Nick Saban and Belichick invented what they call pattern matching, and that's this coverage where a slot defender might actually carry a vertical receiver all the way down the field in man-to-man coverage, where if it was a typical cover three, he would be in a hook zone, and that leaves that spot, that safety in the middle of the field with two vertical routes coming at him, and he has to decide which one to cover. So uh, that that's kind of what their solution was. So to kind of fast forward back to you know Kansas City, the Denver Broncos uh, basically used stole a page out of Belichick and Saban's playbook and used this coverage against Kansas City in week four. And although Kansas City eventually broke through, obviously, in that fourth quarter comeback, the Broncos game plan worked. You know, the scheme worked, the game plan worked. It was just that Patrick Mahomes eventually wore out the Broncos defense. They chased him around a little bit too much, and uh, he was making some spectacular throws outside the pocket. So pattern matching is what I'm writing about tomorrow. I think that that's where the Patriots are headed. It's basically a zone coverage in its core um, but it's it's a man has man principles to it in order to uh, stay over the top of some of those vertical releases. Yeah, so you're starting that book with him, right? I saw I read the exchange <laughs> on your conference call. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, he said that we could write a book about it, and I didn't want to interrupt him, and but I almost jumped in and was like, listen, I got all the time in the world. Like you want to you want to write a book about you and Nick Saban coming up with plays in Cleveland? Like I'll go get my pen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, what would be, if you were doing the defense, how would you keep Mahomes into the pocket? Well, so the the Patriots are usually pretty good at this, besides Adrian Claiborne, uh, no offense. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're usually pretty good at it. And I think that the main thing is, is that it's not that you don't want to pressure guys. You know, I talked to them about this in the preseason where they like to talk a little bit more than they do now. And uh, and in the preseason, they, they basically said that the game plan – isn't that we're not going to pressure guys because I think a lot of fans think that uh, they go into these games without a, a, you know, 
they don't want to pressure the quarterback. They just want to contain him, and that and that's why there's no pass rush. Uh, no, that that's really not the case. They want to pressure. They want to pressure up the middle, um, and that you know pressure the DTs. Guys like Adam Butler uh, are usually a focal point to this, so that they can kind of collapse the pocket on the edges around Mahomes, and then when he looks to escape to his left or right, there's a guy waiting for him. So it's a contained rush. Like I said earlier, you know you're not going to spin move this week. Uh, you're not going to do any uh, you know of those big uh, elusive type pass rush moves it's going to be a lot of bull rushes a lot of pushing the pocket maybe the occasional uh you know upfield move but you got to really do it within the confines of the rush of the plan uh you don't want to break outside that plan so don't rush past the quarterback that's definitely not going to work uh and don't you know turn your back to the quarterback with a spin move or anything like that because that's not going to work either so a lot of contain rush but that doesn't mean they can't pressure. It just needs to be in the confines of the pass rush. A little more of the bear front, right? Yeah, some bear front. I could see that. I could definitely – they've been really effective with uh, stunts and twists uh, so far this season with their linebackers and their DTs especially. Adam Butler has a few sacks. Kyle Van Noy has some pressures with those. They've been really, really effective with the stunts uh, this last couple of weeks. So I would still expect to see some of that. And then, you know, you put the edge guys in a contained mode. You stun in the middle of the defense and you kind of pressure them up the middle. Sounds good. Anything on that, Steve? Nope. Okay. And then the last one here. Against Denver, I saw that the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are running this double short out route on the right side with Conley and Hill on the outside, and they were almost nailing Hill every time for five to seven yards. How, how are you going to stop that? So the Patriots starting with the Miami game, and I think it's interesting because they've actually played – um, and they're going to play another one in Chicago next week. They've played like four straight games or three straight games currently. It will be four straight against these kind of mishmash college meets NFL type offenses. So they've had a lot of practice against these types of like quick hitter screens and uh, you know the out routes that you were talking about too. So they've had a lot of practice against them. And they started in the Miami uh, the week against Miami. Uh, practicing even when we were uh, able to see the you know the practice portion. Uh, practicing screens, practicing against screens, uh, practicing against pushing guys back into the middle of the field and forcing them to help doing those types of things. But I think the main thing is just, you got to play with good leverage. You know, you got to play with good leverage and good tackling. You can't allow guys to sideline. You got to push them back into the middle of the field where your help is. And you got to tackle well. I mean, it's just fundamentals in terms of tackling. Uh, luckily, the Patriots have a lot of really good tacklers in the secondary, especially a lot of their cornerbacks. Uh, Gilmore has had his troubles at times, but he's a pretty solid tackler. And uh, Jason McCourty and Jonathan Jones are two of the better tacklers on the team. So that helps. But uh, really, those types of plays, let them have five yards. Uh, and you can't let them have 80. You know, And, and that's really, I think, the emphasis this week. Sounds good. That's a, Those are the three that I got. Party. So I think, yeah, I think that's just about it. Wrap that up. You have anything to add? Do you want to do uh, predictions or anything like that? Uh, if you guys want me to give a prediction, I'll give a prediction. Uh, I would say 38-35. Sorry, but I, I think I'm going with the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs win this one, but I do think that the Patriots show that they can more than hang with this Chiefs team. And if that score were flopped and it was 38-35 Patriots, then I you know, obviously wouldn't be shocked either. I think this is a coin toss. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a coin toss too. I, I, was, I would probably say like 38-31 Patriots, 
just because they're home. But it, it's a coin flip. I think I'm going to go with your uh, oh, uh, push at 80. I'm going to go 42-35. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you're a betting man and you want to bet the over, then bet the over. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that this one's going – I don't know what – the over-under must be like 70 or something, something crazy because it's going to be up there. Yeah. All right, Steve, want to take us home? All right, so uh, again, follow all the writers uh, for Boston Sports Extra. Also, follow you can follow Evan um, on Twitter at EZ Lazar. And also, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. And go Pats. Yep, go Pats. And you can find me on uh, ALYKINS32 on Twitter. And I'm also one of the writers at Boston Sports Extra for the Patriots. And we have lots of other sports and other good writers there. So make sure you check them out and check out all of Evan Lazar's work. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Yep. Go Pats. Go Pats.